0: to Five Fins
1: Welcome back Five Fins was At- your ticket out
0: <laughs> Five Fins after dark
1: <laughs> To all of the shows we used to laugh We've, about
0: We were just agreeing during the break that we for sure should have started a five hour podcast Potentially a little <laughs> earlier in the night But hey look <laughs> people aren't here to hear us complain down the us they're here they're here for us they're here us to uh to hear us talk about fish and we are ostensibly though not actually talking about the June 26 1994 show you know what is game hoist people out there um the mm-hmm. first segment here or I guess the second segment was a t- an attempt to explain game hinge um I give myself like a C plus. What do you give yourself?
1: Um, <laughs> myself, I give myself two and a half fins. Um, I listened to the content, and I had some decent yeah. takes. I'd, I'd give you, I'd give you like six fins. I would throw an extra fin on there. You, you, you came with some the information. Time, yeah,
0: I appreciate. Uh, you know, you know, it's um it does become an absurd situation when I'm looking at the time we've recorded. and I'm like in that amount of time, you could have listened to pretty much most of the tape. <laughs> so Which maybe you don't you need do. me explaining it. I would, you know, goal. what I would like is for people to bounce back and forth. They listen to the, First of all, listen to the tape. Just don't without us. But then if you want an extra breakdown, you know, I feel like we provided some interesting detail. I think that, uh, Tila, you know, sounding like the live band at that time. That's a nugget, you know? I'll stand by that. I'm proud of my work <laughs> here on the show, <laughs> except for <laughs> right now. But you know what? So we're talking about Game Hoist, and the set one is Game Hench, and set two is Hoist. And if you didn't know that by now, you're not listening. So we're here now here to talk about the Hoist portion of the show, but we're going to talk about the album Hoist. The album Hoist was released by the band Fish uh, on March 29th of 1994. Dan, what were you doing March 29th of
1: 1994? Mm, um, preparing for the.
0: You are under oath, just as a heads oh, up. So shit. be very careful with what you're about to say.
1: That changes everything. <laughs> um, on, uh, in March of 1994, I would have been preparing for the entry of my baby brother into this world because he would have been right around the corner in july oh march july April, oh May your June,
0: brother was born in july so so you were several you months were... away yeah
1: i um, would have been around I would have been four years oh no i would have been three almost four not quite almost actually like three i was just a tyke <laughs> just a little tyke
0: it's a lot to talk about here so um this is the kind of funny thing about doing this kind of stuff, not only with the Game Hinge set, but with an album. So we've never just talked about like a fixed thing like an album that isn't a show. <laughs> um, right. But if there's two things I love about Fish, it would be these two things too. Um, so we already talked about Game Hinge, but um, Hoist is an interesting situation. I- I'm, I'll am i just front this information immediately. Like I'm a huge fan of this album, um, and I always have been. Um, this is a record that was very important to me in terms of getting me into fish and actually understanding anything about them. Um, it's funny how, you know, memory works like, um, you know, definitely my memory of getting into the band and understanding, uh, things about them started more around your time (laughs) and your involvement in my life. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but, but in terms of like when I was younger, like in high school, um, my sister's a couple of years older than me and we, uh, my, my, my dad and my mom and myself were driving out to, uh, visit her at college. And, uh, it's possible I had heard fish before, but I don't, and, and, and I have a memory as a child of my dad, uh, playing me bouncing around the room and he was very fond of that song. I think I mentioned that story before, but yes, on the pod. But, um, uh, this was the first time I remember he, he just like, as a road trip, you know, we got to drive to, um, she was going to, College in Utica, and so we had a bit of a road trip, and he threw in uh, a CD, and I had no idea what it was. Um, and I just, I still very <laughs> much remember that moment. Um, and I was like, "Wow, this is like... And it was good? like what band is this?" And and it was hoist, and he <laughs> said
1: it was Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it, and Pig and,
1: and Kev jumped out of the car on the spot and, into. <laughs> four lanes of traffic
0: (laughs) and piper at the gates of dawn um (laughs) you know just sprung out of the speakers and it was just (laughs) no so um it's it's a moment i still really remember and especially because i think so just to go i already said the release date but the the tracks the tracks on the on the record itself are um are as follows julius down with disease if i could riker's mailbox we'll definitely talk about that (laughs) axilla part two life boy sample in a jar wolfman's brother son of a mule dog face boy and demand um and you know hearing the opening part of julius which is like you know on the record an acoustic guitar and him singing and then when it kicks in with the band and the full gospel choir and the, (laughs) the crazy thing i was like yeah I was pretty hooked, and I think that was really, if I'm being honest, not, you know, whatever, being trying to be real on the podcast or whatever, but this was like, this was the album that really got me. But I'm actually especially curious, of course, of your opinion, because I don't know anything about your relationship other than I'm, I remember when we were living together, like sophomore year, I'm sure this was like when we were get, actually getting into jam bands, and you were a big part of that with getting into the dead and fish and stuff, but I, I, I remember yeah. When, being like this is one that i was i remember specifically we would listen to like wolfman's brother and stuff from this so yes what's your what's your relationship with uh, with hoist overall um
1: well like you just mentioned wolfman's brother especially has like a, a the the album version because as i think i've also mentioned when we first were getting into fish i was listening to the studio albums mostly um and Wolfman's is always one that sticks out to me as like, you know, just, uh, and for what it's worth, you know, the, the age old idea in jam band music is that they make halfway decent albums or not good albums. And then the rest or their live show is really the important part. But, um, I do think that Fish makes really good studio albums. And I think Hoist is sort of the pinnacle of that, not counting, obviously, um, the most recent one, Sigma Oasis, because I feel like that obviously is in a, it's it's fish in a different way, like they captured the live version of fish, which is really cool, but um, Wolfman's yeah. especially, and as you know, to this day, when we do our like group chats while watching fish shows, I always use Shirley Temple gifts in reference to Wolfman's <laughs> brother, because <laughs> yes. that is on Shirley the studio, K- the best part of the whole album, that's my favorite thing. Not to spoil, but this.
0: yeah so I, I should mention this right out of the gate um if yeah. anybody is a, a fan of this album as much as i am definitely check out check out um the tracking uh video the, there's a video called tracking yes. that mike uh directed i guess you know 90s vhs quality thing you can find on youtube that I, you know i mean it's just the kind of thing I, that i it's so far up my alley it's insane um <laughs> And just them recording this record, you get a real good sense of it. Um, in terms of uh reputation-wise, uh, and and yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because I I remember all that stuff, like <laughs> listening to tracks of this. Um, I even remember like friends of ours. Uh, I'm not gonna uh who <laughs> were not into fish at all, like kind of being into the <laughs> this this kind of yeah. out, like. Um, and it's funny to bring that up because I think fan reputation-wise, especially coming off of Rift, which at this point I would say between Rift or Billy Breeds is probably, among the fan base, like the biggest, most celebrated records in their catalog. Um, Hoist has not a fantastic reputation. I think people uh, feel like it is either sort of them reaching too far for kind of a, you know, whatever mid-'90s version of, mainstream success would be and uh you know they made a music video which is like pretty <laughs> horrible <laughs> for down with disease you know and they like they did these things that were like trying to you know i don't know they were they were get, having guests you know having the tower of power and bail of flick <laughs> i wasn't like, like having people like having something that was kind of reaching for more of a mainstream success quote-unquote whatever was sort of um you know, in a typical kind of indie rock way, sort of weirdly frowned upon or something. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I've just always been a fan of it. And again, I think part of that has to do with like my history with it personally, but also I just think it's, uh, I really think it's very good. (laughs) I just think it's very good to listen to. And I think um, I'm hit or miss with their studio stuff. Like I'm not a huge fan of like the earlier stuff, but like when it gets to, wrong. (laughs) I just don't, like, listen to Lawn Boy, like, for fun, as opposed to listening to, like, an old fish show. I just don't. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure, like, I've heard it. I I get it. It's fine, I guess. But it's just not kind of my thing. But, like, stuff like um, beginning around, I think, Rift gets more, it gets more interesting. And I think just, you know, they had more money. They were actually, they had worked in a studio before, you know like i think they are you know by the time you get to like billy breeze and that stuff like i think they actually my feeling is like and i think you would echo this is like if fish didn't have the live reputation they had and it was just the studio records i wouldn't be that big of a fan (laughs) i gotta admit because i just don't think that they're like it's fine but i've heard like other bands of those periods that were much better in the studio and i'd listen to those records more but like I have not heard bands of those periods that are as good live as fish. yeah, so
1: I actually think that um, without the studio albums, like, yeah, we probably wouldn't have gotten as far into it because there wouldn't have been as much to ingest and then you know, seeing fish live for the first time was so intense because we didn't really have that much information with the pH. Um, (laughs) Apart from Live Fish 13, about what the live stuff would sound like, you know.
0: Yeah, it's weird too because I know that like when I was like in in like in high school, listening to Hoist and stuff, like I I knew at the time because my like my dad, you know, my dad would tell me like, oh, they're like you know they're they have like a Grateful Dead type of thing. I remember like after even after that trip, I think you know, my sister's college and coming back. And he was like, and I asked him something. I was like, what, what album, like what record was that? And it was like, oh, it's uh no, that was the, uh, he's like, that's fish. It's like one of their, you know, CDs, whatever. And I was like, oh, uh, oh, like in, in, cause I, I think even at that point I knew that there was like the grateful dead, like, I wasn't into it at the time, but I understood, I like, I knew what it was intellectually, you know what I mean? Like, it, like, the culturally, right. like, it was like, oh, it's, like, a live, like, they play for a long time. And so hearing this CD was, like, a total, I was like, wait, what, that's, that's that band? You know what I mean? Because there's really no, and we'll get to this if we talk about, like, jamming, except the very, very, very end. <laughs> Other than that, it's, right. like, a completely straight, uh cd which even if you look at like lawn boy has like run like an antelope and you know like there's stuff that's like jammy like their version of jamming at that time and this doesn't have any of that so i think it was you know it's weird it's like um i think we're coming at it from different angles almost where i i sort of knew like when we went to see fish the first time at that's where the drop goes right there um (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh right because i and i had seen the 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 dead show at in albany but i was like oh this is like gonna be like a grateful dead type thing and honestly it was way different (laughs) i mean it was (laughs) it was this it was was different but the same but still different (laughs) (laughs) um and you know this album is very near and dear to my heart so um if you want to talk about our time so we already mentioned julius i kind of is this, it's not a controversial to say this is like their best album opener of all time. Is that possible? Well, it's
1: definitely the best version of Julius of all time, right? It's like the original <laughs> Which, best version of Julius.
0: Yeah. It actually is, though. That's the funny part of the thing, is that the <laughs> best version of Julius was actually the studio version. <laughs> and every time they play it live, it's like, I think that was the best one ever because they're all, let's be honest, kind, kind of the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah I mean I was gonna say, um so <laughs> yeah killer
1: um, killer opener though just you can't really ask for much better, you know as far as like the way to start an album,
0: yeah, I feel like the way it kicks in too where you know it starts out and it could be just that kind of like you know like um I'll bring in a reference you'll like the like uh tunnel of love, like ink got you, kind of like, yeah. oh, it's gonna yeah. start with like a acoustic little, like, you
1: uh, know, oh,
0: I love that song, <laughs> gotta um, <laughs> it could have started with something like that, but like, you know, where it's like, oh, they're doing like a shuffly acoustic thing, and then it's gonna kick into a big rock song, but no, it kicks in immediately, and I and I, yeah, I think this song lends itself well to kind of the studio sheen that they're going for you know it by yeah. hiring i mean I, we didn't i didn't mention this i guess like they went to an la studio you know they tracked they tracked in la man <laughs> nbd <laughs> uh <laughs> and uh their producer was uh paul fox uh who uh, unfortunately I just looked up and just passed away december of 2022 that's um rest in peace um, yeah uh did some impressive work what did he do? Yeah, Robin Hitchcock album. They did some cool shit. So, uh, that's, uh, rest in peace there. Um, but yeah, what a, I don't know. Yeah, just, just killer. And I kind of love the sort of like when it breaks down at the end that they do the just don't take another step, don't take another step. You just hear people <laughs> like talking kind of. Yeah, the, this is the first kind of the guest uh, musicians, right? Uh, that you begin to sort of, uh, see. I think this has the, uh, what was it, the the Ricky Grundy Gospel corral. Let's say that. That's what it says on fish.net, so we're going with that. Um, <laughs> there's also uh, other female vocalists. This is, so I don't know if Jen McLean or Rose Stone were involved, but either way, good shit. Um, you know, the live guest thing with them generally is not great. I mean, the Derek Truck sit-in was good, but for the most part, a, that that goes... <laughs> I just. I, I, what am I gonna? What you want me to be false? Jeez, jeez. I'm. This is just the facts, you know. Like uh, three hours in, in, You just hit me like that. Okay, with a low <laughs> blow, but you know, I, it was. I, I'm also three. You just
1: hours slid in. it in there. You know what I mean? Just sliding <laughs> on in
0: That's a. Have a good night, blow. everybody.
1: That's a. Little it's blow. been a wonderful show. It's been. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, usually like the the get the guest sit in like uh live thing, you know, is either yeah. underwhelming or kind of a disaster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I don't know this album; it just works. I feel like it, it, like they actually nail that. Um, right. The second track is down with the cheese. No, sorry, down with disease. <laughs> so. You know, is this the best song to ever come out of somebody having mono? I don't think Sam right. Darnold ever wrote a song that I can remember. <laughs> ghosts.
1: <laughs> I he feel I
0: never told you the story of the ghost. <laughs> it's actually the
1: inspiration um, for this song because Fisher Time Travelers, as you know, so.
0: We've established that on the pod many it's, times, people. If yes. you have, if you don't know about that, uh, don't email us at five <laughs> at gmail.com. P H I V E P H I N S. In terms of the studio version, we we've talked enough about the live versions at this point. The, um, I kind of love how slow and funky, and even if you don't like this comparison, I don't care. Like Primus, e this version Ooh. is. Um, whenever the in the in the studio version when it goes dancing on my lawn, I'm like, oh, that's so less like he heard that and went fuck I yeah can't use that anymore um <laughs> yeah and i mean you know obviously that would have been a contemporary of theirs at the time and and they collaborated in a band i like <laughs> and uh trey's mentioned like oh less and i are friends because like we have daughters the same age you know so we think about that <laughs> <Like> they're <laughs> friend friends outside of music um but yeah it's like you know you you get that kind of sense of like that mid 90s sort of yeah primus like kind of deal um but then obviously you get the great trey guitar outro stuff just great shit i think this is an amazing studio version i know it's not like the jammy version we come to expect but i think this is a great song what do you think
1: yeah i mean i don't know how they could translate the jam jamminess of disease into a studio song so uh giving you the bare bones of it and the just this like the skeleton setup of it it really is cool and again like you said you know they're in la they're doing a good job with all this stuff so it all sounds good like there's not questionable decisions really happening in this where you know if they wanted to try and mimic the live type sound of it it could have definitely gone wrong if they tried to like, you know, little feed it up or something. So I'm glad that they did what they did with it. And I, uh, I like it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones. I remember one time um, I was, this you know, I don't know. This happens to me sometimes, If I, even if you're on like a fish kick, like you'll be listening to a bunch of stuff and just for whatever reason, you won't hit a song. And then I like, yeah. flipped on the, this is years ago now even, but I flipped on the, uh, 12 30 2012 show and down with the z's started and there's part of and this sucks to say but i think it was worth saying on, the, on, on a podcast if you're this late into the podcast hell it's worth saying is <laughs> like there's a piece of you right like as a fish fan where you're like ah, i mean should i just skip to the jam part <laughs> like <I'm right. laughs> down with the z's how many fucking times have i heard like guilty. i love it it's great we're all guilty right i mean it's just the fact but we've done it and it's funny the song started i went nah i'm like it was just like i was on a walk i was like yeah i'm not gonna do i'm not i don't want to take my phone <laughs> you know i was just like being lazy like uh, <laughs> and the song three started minutes and, of my life the song started and i was like i fucking lo- i love this song <laughs> i've always loved this song i love this song when i, like, <laughs> I love this song like before i was like into fish really like i was like in gym class like and they let you like wear headphones if you ran around or whatever and i was like listening to I mean, you know, this song is like as old to me listening to it as like beatles songs were you know what i mean like where it's just yeah it's just there so when it was like i was listening to this live version i was just like loving it so much and i was like and then they got to the jam and i was like oh right, Holy shit. <laughs> right that happens too um but yeah it's again it's like some of this is hard we can breathe through a little bit of it because so much of it is just like it's so ingrained in me now that i'm just like i guess this is just who you know this is part of who i am <laughs> Down with disease you know <laughs> uh to the point where when i listen to the studio record it's always funny because i've listened to so much of the live stuff that i'm like all oh, right this is like the original yeah uh thing i also brought it. up the brought up the um uh in the other app I think the da, da 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 that backup vocal part that yeah. they eventually shelved. But I was I always like that I feel like it's a good counter melody. Um then it goes right into if I could. What do you think about it? if I could, Dan?
1: Gosh Um I think that they should just play that. Anytime that they think about playing Velvet Sea they should just play If I could instead. <laughs> Um, man, and if
0: you disagree with us, email us at five fins mailbag, please, and we will fight you tooth and nail. I'll set There'll up be time and no...
1: place and everything. I'll get a freaking plane ticket.
0: <laughs> That's not even a, it's not even an email request. It's like, <laughs> show up at this place. <laughs> 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 it's a straight up threat. <laughs> oh, it's just what we do a, here. At it really is. <laughs> right.
1: That's what we do. It's how we just interrogate. We interrogate and instigate. Yeah.
0: That's what we're As long doing. as it's on this very specific t- we will th- we w- we are we're a pacifist podcast where we will throw hands at any if I could <laughs> versus Velvet Sea. Look, we're you take
1: a you, you take a run at one of our players and you get him in the numbers, man, I'm you're going to have to answer for that hit, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> There's an old saying and I think it's Confucius, I think said it. It's uh, something about um, uh, talking shit and getting hit, something like that. I can't remember the Yeah, point, like, I think you
1: know. yeah, I think that one was um the buddha uh oh, i think yeah, confucius I'm sorry. said i think confucius said fuck around and find out
0: no 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 it was it was mahatma it was <laughs>
1: oh yes thank you thank you
0: yeah it was, it was one, you know we got there we got there uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: if i could is a freaking beautiful song and it i mean Amen, i think brother. it gets its i think it gets its um, deserved due from fans i don't think anyone really poops on it or anything so it's uh yeah excellent writing and makes you want to hug someone
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny because you know um, when i was getting into it as a kid like because i at the time i was super like <laughs> i don't like slow songs <laughs> whatever i would like right. sort of when when it was over i would almost like skip it or or yeah i w- i would like listen to it like as soon as it got to the chorus i'd be like ah i'm done with this or whatever I think I remember one time you telling me that about, about "Since I've Been Loving You," Zeppelin, where you did just, yeah. just the intro part. You are like, "Yeah, my like, good," yeah, and, and then you realize, "Oh no, this actually then like, then it just rules Gets going, going. you are like, "Oh shit!" Uh, yeah, they, I mean, but eventually, you know, once I kind of got over that, this was always one that, that yeah, and and um, just again, they've had like stuff like like the album Big Boat right has like these these horns on it and it has like I think there's some strings on there and stuff and it just I just <laughs> don't like it when they do that <laughs> normally but the string section is pretty good on here and I just feel like it's really additive and it's actually I I I know again I know I'm like fu- trying to swim upstream against like all this nostalgia that I have but it doesn't feel, it, it's it's a little much, but it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't take me out of it in the way that, like, they'd be playing, you know, Blaze On for seven months and then on the record suddenly it's like, it sounds like a fucking Mardi Gras parade. <laughs> and you're like, what well, already, I'm already used to a different song. Why is this on the record? This is so weird. I, and even... I like Mardi Gras parade type songs, but it just throws you off where you're just like, what in the same way we were talking about the game hinge where you're like the T like Tila's going and you're like, Oh, the chorus is a little faster. This is weird. And then suddenly there's like this, like it breaks into like a Nat King Cole song and you're like, what the fuck is going (laughs) on? So uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I like it. I, I just, I love this song now and it's one of the ones that when i'm listening to the album i look forward to the most you know because i love Julius. but i've heard that a gajillion times even the studio version and i love disease the but then when you get to this i feel like it's a unique take on the song you don't normally get and of course we didn't mention the mention already or i ma- did we already mention we didn't mention some of the guests but i don't think we we already mentioned <laughs> that uh the great allison kraus is providing some Right, insane vocals on this, and I and Sheet. anytime they play it live, it always feels, and i get to that in the show, but it always feels a little empty in that one moment where you're like, Oh, I want to hear Allison Krauss come on this. So, <laughs> you're an Allison Krauss person ish, maybe? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah,
1: I get down with the
0: Krauss. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> this is yeah. not a bluegrass alert, but it's it's like two notes boom, boom, <laughs> that's all I get. Uh, Oh, so uh, this one's fun. Track four, Riker's Mailbox. I sent you a clip today that I don't think I've ever seen on YouTube before. (laughs) Yeah, that Uh,
1: was uh, first for me.
0: So uh, the story of Riker's Mailbox is that they attempted to record Buffalo Bill in the studio (laughs) for (laughs) this album, which is hilarious and insane <laughs> and very fish they like, were looking for owls i just like the idea yeah like the song like that we're like we gotta get this thing on wax you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> we can't just it's like this uh, this is a joke that makes sense to four people we really gotta make sure this gets on the warner brothers <laughs> we gotta make sure this is in the warner brothers a lot um believe it or not didn't work there's a uh there's an interview with I, I want to say it's with Trey, where he, he says that they were trying to do this whole experiment where they recorded everything backwards and then learned it backwards and then played Jesus. it backwards but forwards. Yeah, they people in the 90s had too much money, let's be honest. And uh, there was too much money in rock music. <laughs> money fish and time. Were, fish, fish shouldn't have... It went back... You know how it was like full circle, you know, like the dead were recording heavy air or whatever the fuck it was, and now yeah, it's like fish in the 90s. They're just like yeah guys take it take two days out to do the backwards thing can i grab i'm gonna bust a smoke out back let me know how that goes so uh uh you know they're doing this thing and like a and like you know unsurprisingly not a great idea <laughs> and they were like trying to learn backwards like drum <laughs> loops and it's not didn't work but i have to imagine that's what's going on because in this track because it's just like it's just craziness i remember listening to it in 11th grade chemistry class <laughs> being like this is weird. <laughs> um but you know it like uh it, it's a filler track it's like 30 seconds long and uh this is the only chance we're ever going to get to talk about it because there's no <laughs> live uh, <laughs> version of it including in the Game Boys thing and you know they uh they just kind of uh um but what what the the story of it is a lot more fun Oh, so by the way, so sorry, so it's them, if you listen close in the background, it's them kind of playing Buffalo Bill, but then there's people chanting over it that are saying like, off lob which is like Buffalo backwards. So I think that was all, <laughs> it was all like, well, we worked hard on this, let's put 30 seconds of it on the album for reasons that are not explicable to anyone at all. Um, so, uh, but the story is fun. So, um, Dan, are you a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation?
1: Um. Yes.
0: <laughs> so you're familiar, of course, with Commander Riker, played by uh Jonathan oh, yeah, Frakes. I
1: always forget that too.
0: So there's a clip um, that I sent Dan earlier that's on YouTube from some podcast, and this guy's interviewing John, Jonathan Frakes, and he brings up the whole story of it. It's still, it's delightful. It's a delightful watch. It's only a minute long. You should check it out. Yeah. It's uh. So he played uh. <laughs> Commander Riker. And I guess he lived like next door, is it? Or across the street, I think. Yeah, from... across the street, which
1: is fucking crazy.
0: Across the street from the guy producing the Fox who produced this record. And they would, uh, the band members would go and meet with Fox and. Like they would the the reason they knew they were there because he it was because he had this like big mailbox shaped like a cow, and like <laughs> people would drive by and I guess run into it because it's very L.A. to just run into mailboxes and just continue driving. And like,
1: tampering with uh, mailboxes a felony <laughs> offense.
0: Yeah, so apparently this this was like this busted up ass old like cow mailbox, and it would be like, oh, there's Riker's mailbox. We got to be. <laughs> I'm guessing that's the right, and then. <laughs> he uh but he's a trombone player and so he gets involved and in, you can see in the video he's like yeah they wanted me as like they hired me to be this trombone player and i'm like and they put this chart <laughs> in front of me that was like you know way too high and way too fast a part to play and uh i gotta say uh you know uh as a as a trombone uh a former trombone player myself i can certainly relate to that, you know um, I'm not saying I'm a Jonathan Frakes levels, you know that's too far. But uh, uh, <laughs> but I I know what he means. If it's too high, that's the espe- if if too fast is one thing you could at least learn it. But too high means you have to like adjust your whole embouchure and all that shit, and it's way too hard unless you're actually good at trombone, really really good at trombone. And uh, I did like kind of in that interview where at one point he's like, they got the guy from Tower of Power. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean that's, <laughs> uh, that's not a bad. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> bringing in the, 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 the we went with guns. The, we, I mean, we, we were thinking the Star Trek guy, but uh, then we got the Tower of Power guy. <laughs> Again, there might have just, just been too much money.
1: That's so fish. That's so fish. Let's <laughs> be like, what? Oh, what do you think about the Star Trek guy? I don't know. It seems like it might be a little out of his range. All right. What's our next option? Tower of Power. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's like, and he's definitely in the video too. He says he, what he's describing him playing is, I think, for sure, Wolfman's brother, right? Right. Because I, it, whatever he's saying, I don't think is actually, I think they just took the Buffalo, I think the Buffalo Bill thing, they just scrapped entirely. But they were like, well, we got this guy on, you know, we, we got Riker on the album playing trombone. Let's just throw that on there too. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, it's the, they gave me this chart, like, I can not I mean I can't imagine that was for Buffalo cuz what what whatever he does a little like boobidi thing and I'm like oh I bet it was like Wolfman's brother cuz the Wolfman's brother horn chart is really cool. Anyway, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, Riker's mailbox. We spent like at least four times as long on that as like the actual song itself. Axilla Part That's 2. We already mentioned this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Axilla Part 2 and my first question to you it's is for um, and this this is the most important question I've ever asked you on the podcast. Exila, part one or part two, gun to your head right now. 30 seconds. Uh, uh Oh, I'm
1: going to die. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go part two. Ugh. Nice. Just for the darkness of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, do you want something shine in your face, man? I mean, I always do.
1: I don't. I don't. Especially lights things
0: again again i have to stress like i heard this before i was listening to like super weird music so when trey's voice does, they do the drop into the don't try thing. i was like what the fuck is <laughs> this was like the craziest thing i'd ever heard uh i love it i i think part two is better than part one i don't think i heard part one for a while after i had heard part part two I think that took a I remember you playing one time a show and I was like they are doing a weird version of this right and you were like well this is Exila part one and I was like oh right (laughs) there's a part one (laughs) (laughs) is this the studio like in terms of the studio thing are you into this
1: yeah for sure for sure Um, I mean I don't think there's too much of a difference between the performance live of this and the version we get from the studio at least not like you know Uh, the obvious difference is like what is on stage versus what can be in a studio. But um, yeah, it's just, I think that it captures the intended um, atmosphere very well.
0: I've always been a fan of part two uh, because I felt like the lyrics are a little better. Um, I might be getting this wrong, but what is that podcast that's on Osiris that it's like, the road to, road to now or um
1: well there is road to now yeah and i think that is in osiris podcast but i don't That's know like if a, they would it's a history podcast they
0: had they had marshall on though right like early on i think oh, this is years yeah, ago. yeah
1: i think now. so yeah
0: i think it was that if it's not that podcast i But it was pretty sure the it was that podcast and they were talking about um you know, songs that changed over time or something. And he brought up like, uh, he's like, well, you know, Axilla part two was funny because, you know, I wrote the lyrics to Exilla, the first Axilla and Trey like that and they were playing that live. And then the, when they went into the studio, you know, I can't remember what he said. I should have re-listened to this part, but it was something like, I think he went into the studio and it was kind of like, well, well, like there was a lot of like, yeah, that song is good, but you got to really got to like change some of the lyrics around, which, by the way, when we talked about the whole when that thing on, on Wikipedia says like, oh, Axilla part one is about the old game hinge, which is but this is a new. Th-, I'm like, I, when I hear that explanation, like Tom talk about it, I'm like, this seems a lot more likely <laughs> that basically it was yeah. like he wrote he wrote a poem that Trey thought was cool and put to this incredible rock. I mean, right. Like just awesome rock song, one of their best, like straight up rock songs. And then they were like, well, we can record this, but you got to change the lyrics at least around a little bit. And what's funny is that it's almost like outside of Riker's mailbox, like one of the least accessible songs on the album because of the weird outro thing (laughs) where it turns (laughs) into this weird sludgy part and Trey doing, the don't shine that thing in my face. Like in like, evil you know david bowie fame 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 like that you know low voice um i love it (laughs) it's great it seems like they it seems like they always had this tendency to to intentionally sabotage anything that could potentially become a hit like he even down pitches his vocals in their shock dust torture studio version. And I think that's because he's like, uh-oh, if this gets good, get, you know, and again, they were on the same label at that point as Ween, and I think they saw a lot of inspiration in that sort of, like, push the little daisies, you know, that, like, kind of, like, right. we're gonna, we'll do the, we'll do your whatever radio-friendly pop song, but we're gonna make it fucking weird, because that's, like, part of our... <laughs> deal, push them up? You know. <laughs> what a what a bop oh my god uh <laughs> the ween podcast will come and it'll just be me <laughs> and uh it'll just be me in silent. The silence even and even silent, yeah, we'll be silent, silent no the
1: silent podcast for sure
0: it'll be like in you know like uh the uh, uh we, the uh, the press box guys love that anytime there's this uh things you only re- hear in media headlines <laughs> and it's one of them is break, <laughs> the, break the silence it's always like somebody who it's like you know, like Kevin Federline breaks the silence. You're like, was anybody expecting him to talk? <laughs> what do you mean breaks? The there was no silence to begin with. Like, Breaks a the silence. Definite silence. silence broken today. I never, I never, I, I haven't thought of about, somebody you haven't thought about in 15 years, breaks the silence. Breaks the silence. <laughs> I thought we were just done. Um, yeah, it'll be like a silent third podcaster Mike. Breaks the silence. <laughs> really?
1: What's the no. podcast about? Oh, it's about Ween. Yeah, I hate Donna.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that will be the end. we joke about the end of the podcast jokes. But that's that'd be it. We'd be done. <laughs> that'd be it. I mean, I can't work like or, this. Or it'd be like the old call-in radio shows where you just hang up in the. <laughs> Any extraneous <laughs> thoughts about Exile Part Two? Nope. I always kind of liked the. Um, I never understood what my body was for. That's why I was leaving laying out on the floor. I felt like he was trying. He was going for like a you know tub thumping. I <laughs> get knocked down by <laughs> a couple of years early. Um, the next track is Life Boy. What do you think about Life Boy, Dan?
1: <sighs> it's a pretty song. It's real heavy. I think it's just a really pretty song, and um, I think it's a song that maybe. You know, if they were looking to make money by making hits, they could have given to another artist that would have made a lot of money off of it. But um, I think that Trey's voice in the song actually lends a bit of credibility and um, authenticity to it that otherwise maybe you wouldn't get from, say, someone doing it. Like, I, I don't know, like a Mariah Carey type figure doing this song which would probably be really pretty, but it, it's not, it wouldn't have the same, like, um, normal person. Because Trey, you know, for what it's worth, he is a rock star. But also, to most people, he's very normal. Especially, like, in um, the Bittersweet Motel documentary where he talks about being from the suburbs. So that, you know, that's like a connection that you just make with someone. And so when you hear someone with that type of a voice singing a song like this, I feel like it just hits home that much more. That's what I think.
0: You're saying because he's like um uh has like a a folk he can kind of do something like that, you mean? Or just
1: Yeah, he's just, you know, he's just a guy. Like he's a he's a rock star, but he's also just a dude. And um I think when he's oh, okay. singing this song that it's uh his not hitting like crazy notes and stuff, like really pulls the song down far enough to earth where you can like really feel it more. than if it was like someone with a soaring voice who I mean like I can imagine you know like a slow piano ballad version of the song by like a John Legend or something that is you know a chart-topping masterpiece but it wouldn't hit the same way
0: is this your favorite song in the album you think
1: um I don't know probably not just because Wolfman's really is that awesome but probably my favorite slow
0: song I think it is my favorite song on the album I would say I think it's close but I think that yeah and I that's so right what you're saying yeah I hadn't even really I never really thought about it that way you're right that he's (laughs) like almost like this happens with singers I think especially where it's almost like sometimes limits make it more emotional because you can tell like somebody's trying to kind of get something out that they can't necessarily yeah Whereas yeah, somebody, like um, like could be better technically, quote unquote technically better singer, but like not like it wouldn't right. it wouldn't land in the same way. Yeah,
1: yeah, like a a good like a good comparison, I think, would be like the girl from the north country, where you know Bob Dylan's voice mm. being not yeah. the greatest voice in musical history really lends in like a, a level of authenticity to that song where you're like this guy's really hurting
0: yeah that, I, mean, I think dylan you get is, that in life boy. dylan's like the a number one example of this phenomenon right like the limits make it better yeah lou reed probably is yeah. <laughs> another right one. yeah and if, if you're um,
1: into bob dylan and fish and you have like a midwestern authenticity feel about your music that you like maybe you are a uh a uh, critic of some sort maybe you work for Uprocks if you want to send us an email uh <laughs> to 5 gmail.com, you know just put your name in the uh, subject and we will get right back to you
0: I mean if you if if you've co if you co-host a great uh, Bob Dylan podcast and you uh, have hosted a grateful dead podcast and you work for Uprocks you know <laughs> Just think about right. it. Right. Just, for, just, you, yeah. Try an episode out. Just see how, you know, we don't, we're not asking for a long-term commitment. You know, it's just kind of a, give a little taste. Thing. Throw us let's, on the, let's, let's just hang, out have a couple drinks, you know, just hang out. It doesn't have to be a big <laughs> thing. We'll mow a lawn. Uh, we mow a lawn. <laughs> listen to Sturgill. Well, I, he lives in the, it, it, that's not, <laughs> have a joint, listen to some Sturgill. <laughs> I mean, shit. I'd pay money for that, you know? Um, we're not talking about anybody. Um, <laughs> nope. Jack 7 is called Sample in a Jar. Uh, are you familiar with this song mm-hmm. Um Vaguely. It's by Fish with it. That's P-H-I-S-H. Mm. Mm.
1: That sounds so familiar. <laughs> Where would I know that?
0: Um, they nope, No, guess out. I don't know it. They were on jamming jamming with M T V in nineteen ninety one. Have you ever seen that mm. clip where they're bouncing on the trampolines?
1: Yeah. Like... Those guys. Are they the ones who do that concert where they play a song with Neil Young and that one guy right. in the band is yep. wearing the Pepe Le Pew shirt? Okay, that's fish. Gotcha.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and also you know the song Gin, you know the song Gin and Juice? They do. Yes. <laughs> that's them.
1: <laughs> oh, that's them, right. Okay. That's them. I got it.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't don't look it up. Just that's that's totally no. them. Uh, <laughs> no I mean come on I mean sample
1: yeah great song great oh, story favorites. too um, people should go listen to that story that whole Tom Marshall series go listen to that podcast we, have
0: just, we should have just we could have just not done this episode just linked, <laughs> linked <to the> episode. <laughs> but no they, uh, yeah it's uh, sample a sample to jar is an interesting story I mean uh, yeah it's a not a song you would peg as a breakup song but it, it 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 is at least according to marshall uh uh i like the i mean i think worth mentioning alehu these are real so alehu is a real person <laughs> uh, i saw you dancing with alehu that is uh so there's G- gula of gula papyrus fame and then alehu um were those are the parents of someone they knew shit i can't remember right (laughs) but they are the they are those are very much real people that he was like oh these names are fire like i gotta throw these in (laughs) in a in a in a song um this is like probably first i mean it's definitely the first fish song i I learned on guitar and it's one of the first few songs i ever learned on guitar (laughs) so yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's kind of the... Uh, it, it fits in with the aesthetic of them trying to go for this kind of bigger um, album-oriented rock radio vibe that they're going for. Yeah. That uh, is not them just saying, oh, hey, we have a bluegrass song. Let's get Bela Fleck. Hey, we have this thing that could be like a horn thing. Let's get the tower power. It's more like here's a song that could be a big hit song. And uh, I've always kind of been surprised that it wasn't a bigger hit in the (laughs) nineties to be honest, because it's kind of perfect. Um, And it seems like a very nineties hit song, but it just never was. And I think they were already maybe too far down the pike at this point for like radio stations to be like, uh, we're going to trust fish to come up with this kind of thing. I I don't know if you checked out the uh, (laughs) speaking of God damn it. All we're doing on this is uh, <laughs> hyping up. Look, I love Tom Marshall's podcasts, uh, but really fascinating thing when he talks to Trey in the 1997 one, where Trey says something like, "When we were doing stuff with on the Rift album, like we had people calling us in and be like." somebody in particular being like this is like the least cool record anyone's ever made can you try <laughs> and like they gave him like a they gave him like a frank black they gave him like a black francis record you know pixies uh, um and was just trying to be like can you just like <laughs> try to be like a tiny we'll just bit just make more this like with. um and he talks about how and obviously i agree with him but he talks about how that was kind of like this offensive like oh my like you know come, like this band live is amazing nobody's ever doing things like we're doing them and he's right you know nobody ever was doing <laughs> things like 1993 fish there was no but i can see from the record company's perspective being like can't you just even just try to like do something like, a little <laughs> <more?"> <laughs> so uh, this is obviously more it's not even so, but this is even trying to be more like straight down the middle than that even you know like a pixie's kind of it's trying to be that but um i just love how they have to leave weirdness in like him like turning like when the guitar feeds back before the last chorus it's like really uncomfortable like yeah I'm hearing this younger i think part of this like shaped by musical landscape ironically like years before i actually got into like fish proper but it, this is just something where i was like yeah this is what you do you write songs that are like kind of catchy but also are a little weird <laughs> and i love it i love sample the jar we already talked about wolfman's uh good shit awesome uh horn section this tower power full effect um uh, I would actually, I think we can talk about these as a unit. Let's do that. Wolfman's and Son of a mule, because I think if there's ever like Wolfman's obviously live when it gets into the jam and gets into the funky stuff and especially like late nineties, you know, like can be amazing. Um, Scent of a mule is another conversation we can have, but both of these to me, at least the studio versions stand out as like perfect um for wolfmans the jamming thing you know can unlock it in a way that transforms it like fish can do um but the yeah the horns and just if you're just trying to like i I mean i don't know i've never ever attempted this or probably ever will (laughs) but if i was doing like top 10 like fish studio jams this for sure would be in there um, just and just because it's great, like it's just really well executed, I think. So I'm not saying like I would take that over the live versions because I wouldn't, <laughs> but it's it's great. Um, "Son of a Mule" is a different situation where I I kind of I kind of like the studio version more than the live version. Yeah, thoughts. Yeah.
1: I mean, I love the studio version of "Son of a Mule. That is the other one from this album that, like, really popped for me, and I remember talking about it a lot when I first listened to it. Um, it's a great song, and it's just so funny. Like, the lyrics are funny. Mike singing it makes it extra funny. And I think that there is, like, a, a silliness that's lost when you actually see them performing it. Um, which is kind of weird, but like seeing Mike's serious face always throws me off a little bit with this silliness of the song. Um, And I think hearing it um, in the studio, it makes it that much better.
0: There's great studio stuff too. Uh, The tracking documentary covers a tiny bit of this, but I've heard Mike in interviews talk about it. He wrote the song and um, he was trying to sing the lyrics in the studio and they were like, you gotta get looser like you gotta be more this this song you can't be like so tight you know lyrically and he's like try, you know and mike's a very type a personality type dude do less right? do like, less yeah and apparently what they did was they were just like you know what you, you're just singing a bluegrass song. Like you gotta have a you gotta have some drinks so they like bought a <laughs> bottle of wild turkey and like mike just like started like jesus whiskey and it when you watch the tracking documentary he claims that's not that's afterward then it does seem right because it's like he doesn't seem he seems like he's play acting drunk but I think he when they actually did it he was like a little buzzed <laughs> um also you got Bela Fleck of course um I love the oh, info yeah. to Sound of a Mule it's so, the studio because it's so like coming in the back door <laughs> like it's just a weird sound, and if you the weird sound, by the way, is coming from you see this in the tracking thing, and I think this is for real. The he's playing, um, he's playing like a bass note, and they're literally they have like this uh, amp on wheels, and they're like wheeling it back and forth to get that <laughs> Doppler effect, uh, that that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I just love that so much. Which they have obviously when they do it live, they just kind of like go you know right into it because <laughs> there's no way to do that i don't yeah we we can save some of our live takes for that but I, i'm glad both of us are like in on the i just think it's it's yeah it's i think scent and wolfman's a brother and i love the guitar solo and sample but I, of these of these ones i think these are like the this run of these next three songs maybe eight track eight nine and ten are like pretty much the best versions of those things ever recorded yeah um, or uh, not Wolfman. I, that's too sad. You can't take out Wolfman. It's like 97, 98, you know. Um, yeah. Some of the, the, crazy, the crazy new one, like crazy new live ones. Because n- now everything jams live. So now you can't even <laughs> I'm sure they're going to. Dogface Boy by 2024 is going to be Who the knows? jam of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll be. But uh, any other things on scent? I, I think you and I have, like, even since, like, early on, been on this tip yeah. of, like, you know it's actually better than... Cause yeah, we'll talk about it with the live one, but they always shoehorn in the, um, you know, the Klezmer Jewgrass thing. Right. The, those are Mike. Those are Mike's words, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. Um. Uh. And I'm I'm always a little lukewarm on that, but I like I, the studio version is like a, just a straight ahead bluegrass song, and it's got the great Bela Fleck, who I met, who's a very very nice man and an extremely talented musician. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. Nothing. Uh... Nothing more on scent, but I would say with Wolfman's, I think Wolfman's is another good example of uh, fish being more influenced by little feet than the Grateful Dead.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a very, like, Spanish moon.
1: Yeah. Feets don't Fail me now feeling. Same uh, horn section, too.
0: Yeah, right. Well, at least for a while there, it felt like you could probably, like... uh, you know, there was a, you know, there was that period in the 2000s where, like, you could just, it felt like there was, like, it must have been a 1-800 number, and, like, you called it, and, like, it was like, hello, Dirty Dozen Brass Band, and you're like, I'm recording in the <laughs> studio, and they were like, we'll be there, and they just slid down a bat bowl, and, like, they're on, like, the Modest Mouse Records, and they're on, you're like, right where, where are these guys, like, did they, where are they from, do they just show, like, uh, it's kind of like, um, I feel like Tower of Power was that for a while, where it's was like, I need a horn section, and Tower Power was like, I got you, fam. Just, <laughs> just, just shows up in the Batmobile, crawling out of the bass drum. No, it's like Gene Parmesan. You know, it's like we need Tower of Power, and it's like we're living a pizza joke. <laughs> oh, the Tower of Power is here! <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> but I mean, Tower of Power. What a fucking just what a man. Like what a Tower I lo- of Power. I love, yes, I love like musicians who just show up and they're like, "What keys it in?" And then <laughs> I know, I know, Trey had horn charts and all that stuff, but like. You know there's just the trombone players like, Yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> I've heard some i t- I've heard some tunes in my time. <laughs> we can get around these fish charts, I think. Track ten is Dog Faced Boy. I I you know what, Dan? Aww. I really want you to go first. What do you think of Dog Faced Boy?
1: I love Dog Faced Boy. Darien. Yeah, I just love it. I don't I don't know. It's it should be a silly song, but somehow it's so like the first verse is so silly. But then you get to the chorus and you're like Ah, this is so sweet. And then at the end of the yeah. chorus you're like, this is silly again, but it's still sweet somehow. <laughs> it's one of my favorite fish songs for sure.
0: Me too. Uh, like for real. Like I just and I mentioned this before I think that like when we saw it at the um when we actually saw it at da, 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 <laughs> Darian. Darian. That I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I was just like, cool, great, you know, Dog Face Boy. Like, they're doing a the song, you know, it was like a very, like, they're doing a, so- a song I like a lot, like, live. And now with all this hindsight and expertise, I'm like, oh, they they never played this song. Like, that was an extremely rare performance of Dog Face Boy. Um, right. I uh, just, I, uh, I love this song. I mean, I, I always have, yeah, I just, I, I um don't deplete my oxygen for the guy has turned in blue, but ask me and I'll do anything for you. Um, It's a great example of a song lyric where I don't know what it means, but it's profound. <laughs> <laughs> if you said, what does that mean? Literally? I'm like, I, I, right. I don't know, but it, it means it does mean something to me and it's just, it's so simple and so, and so, yeah. Like you say, like sweet but not sweet, <laughs> sweet and sour. <laughs> just the sour just, patch. Just... Kid. <laughs> oh god! First we're
1: sour, and then we're. I sweet. was in
0: line at a, a convenience store, and they, I, and, and right as I was about to check out, I saw that they had like these family sized bags of sour patch. Jesus. Kids. And but if I got out of line, it would have been like you know what I mean, like a big. Like I would have had to wait longer, and I was like, "I'm not gonna do it." But I just walked out of there, looking at that bag, being like, "You will be mine. Ne- <laughs> you're not. Go- you're you're not escaping this life <laughs> alive." <laughs> I hope you enjoy your time. Bag sorry. Well, you have it. Of all the times we talked about candy, this is the, the only literal one. Um, <laughs> the final track on my favorite fish album is called "Demand." It's track eleven. Um. <laughs> Where do you even start? Yeah. Uh this is the proof that they were like never committed to the full we're going commercial. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Bella <laughs> Fleck, we'll get Allison <laughs> Krauss, we'll Tower Power. Like and then they just straight up this is I think this is the weirdest actual fish song that's ever been technically released as an album track. Even Riker's <laughs> Mailbox is like a joke, but like This is fucking bizarre as hell. Like, (laughs) this is crazy that they actually put this out, and not as like a hidden track. It's on the you know, um, right? And they they could have just ended with dog. It's the '90s too. They could have done dog face plays the closer, and then like track 98 was demand. Nope, it's just right Right. there. Um, I mean, I absolutely love it. This is a crazy drum performance. When we talk about the. You can hear it a lot better even in the live tape we'll talk about, but this has to be the most complicated and insane drum beat that Fishman or that Trey's ever wrote for Fishman to play. (laughs) Trey even casually mentions in that, you know, if he's going to nix anything from the set list, it's like, well, I can't do demand unless I practice that drum part for a week or something. (laughs) It's, It's so hard to play. You know, this is like the least accessible Fish song ever written, but I love it. And then, of course, it ends with this whole sound collage deal. But uh, I'll we'll get to that in a second. What do you think of uh, uh, Demand? Um,
1: I think it is weird as fuck, and I love it. <laughs> like the ending is just so fucking weird. Ex- like,
0: expand on that.
1: The I don't even know how to expand on it like I know it's like what is happening and you get obviously like the split open and melt jam thing happening and then the weird voice at the end it's fish
0: it's so fish it's it's uh, arguably too much you know (laughs) it's it's a lot to deal with
1: (laughs) it's a lot to put on the end of an album that's for sure
0: yeah um again uh, to stress the sort of nostalgia thing like (laughs) i was still forming my understanding and opinion of what albums were so this being the last track like and it's really worth mentioning right so it's this weird and i I think i I already called this up early in the podcast but this is the most like robert Fripp level shit he's ever done on an album where (laughs) there's this crazy guitar lines and they like sort of make sense but not really and then they're changing guitar like like uh, you know tonality and and tempo and or not even tempo just like tonality and and like you know time signatures like every bar it's just like crazy (laughs) oh yeah but so then um then so then that track ostensibly ends right and then what you hear is that the track ends and you hear a person getting into a, what I always picture to be a truck. I don't know. Like it could be a car, I guess, but it's, it sounds like a truck. To me. It sounds like a person getting into a truck and then putting in, uh, they flip on the, you know, you hear the engine fire up and then they put on uh, a tape They they put on the radio and then they put in a tape and I always love how it's like it starts and then they turn it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh Again, like this is something I listen to like on on the school bus over and over. So like I've I've paid attention to every detail. But they they turn it up and then there's like this and what it is, what you're actually hearing, is the April twenty first, nineteen ninety three performance from Newport Music Hall, Columbus, Ohio of Split Open and Melt. (laughs) Uh the the (laughs) So maybe someday we'll actually do that show and you can call back to this episode. Um, and so you're hearing a show that Fish played, like, you know, uh, a little over a year before this album came out. Um, it's the only semblance of any kind of jamming on the record at all. And it, it is scored by these sound effects that uh, indicate the person's driving faster, faster, faster. Now there's like cops after them <laughs> or something. And they drive off. And, and when the jam like ends, they're like hitting it tree or going into a ditch or something and then there's a pause and then you hear (laughs) a track (laughs) and we've already mentioned that um i'm not super huge on pronouncing things so i'm not even gonna attempt it (laughs) i gotta admit uh maybe when we do the actual show i'll have learned to uh you know uh you know, pronounce the Hebrew. By very then, Hebrew, yeah. I could hit up some of my friends who speak Hebrew. Come to think of it, they might be able to help me. Out. Silent third podcast, or um, Silent third podcast. Uh, I'm gonna say Y S Y S Z, but uh, and when we get to the show, we'll talk about that even more. But uh, in terms of the album, it's like that track ends, and then the very, very obvious connotation is that the person died and is like ascending to some kind right because it seems like a very heavenly like chorus thing (laughs) and that's that's how the album ends um the what was i going to say oh yeah the in terms of the album uh all of the lyrics are listed for all of the tracks um and then for that last track the lyrics are on a separate page and they're upside down (laughs) so Uh, back when CD booklets were like a thing, right? So, and it's it, it's in Hebrew, obviously. So they're yeah. Um. So yeah, that's Oof. um. They can do that because half the band's Jewish, so you know there's no cultural appropriation problem. They've reached the 50, 50% they reached the 50 They they they, they, <laughs> they exceeded. You know. Yeah. It's like uh. You know. The band can't be America's best rock band because they four-fifths canadian but if they just had a couple other american dudes we could at least let it right. slide uh <laughs> it's kind of that type of thing um i just I, i've always you know again it's like a nostalgia thing but i always thought it was kind of a cool way to end an album uh even though it's very <laughs> strange very strange i mean <laughs> to do like almost it's not a sound collage it's like uh I don't even know what you call it. It's like a sound story, a sound uh, cycle, but that's not even. Yeah, I don't know. It was. It's. It's kind of a weird sound tale. Yeah.
1: A sound sonnet. Sound saga.
0: Sound saga. That'll be Trey's next yeah. album. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that calls to mind is like there's a thing with. We're um, hearing that Mark Maron stand-up special. I think it was stinky pain. And it's like the whole special. And then the last track is like just him walking off stage and talking to somebody. And he's like, what do you think? Was that okay? (laughs) (laughs) You know, he just, he does like a mini WTF five, like, uh, like immediately. I'm like, it's like a, yeah, like a, you know, like a found, found sound, (laughs) found footage kind of thing. Um, But to end an album like that is really, really interesting um yeah, yeah so i'm a huge fan of hoist um it's funny that like <laughs> both, <laughs> both Gamehenge game and hoist are i think like almost really cool but tough to talk about things because they're almost so self-serious <laughs> right and so kind of like they kind of end on bum-